All right, we are back with a new episode. Um, it's a little bit of change. Usually we start things off with history and just some fun facts that have happened. Uh, for this season, we're going to try something new out. This is called the cold open. And what this will be is kind of a, a topic or a discussion topic that we will get into just briefly. So the first one for the day, or the only one for the day, the first one of this new season is, in the effort of equal representation, should there be stories not told on screen? And this question was um, prompted or given by Lauren. So let you start. Yeah, and this question comes from um, the release of The Woman King this weekend, which we'll get into later. But some reason, Friday afternoon, this whole boycott Woman King uh, subject was trending because people found out a little more history about the Dahomey Kingdom, which the film was based on. Um, and how they were intricate in the uh, Atlantic slave trade. So people all of a sudden were like, oh, boycott this movie. They participated in shipping bodies, blah, 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 blah. Um, and it's like, if we want equal representation, you know, as Black people or LGBTQ, other minority groups, right. do we have to pick and choose what stories are told like is that truly equal representation or do we just want to be looked at as good on screen all the time exactly i i you took the words right out of my mouth i think you have to tell the stories of the bad people and it's maybe a cliche type saying but if you don't know your history you're doomed to repeat it you know what i mean like one of those types of situations yeah. but um not everybody that's black or not everybody that's queer or whatever is, is a good person. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I think we just, I don't know. I think we have a duty to be honest and tell truthful stories. Right. How, how it makes that person look or, yeah. Yeah, because even in in the film, if it come out that they brushed over that and took that completely out, then there would have been people saying you're not being authentic, you're not telling the first story. So we have to be able to, one, see the project, the work, first of all, so we can critique it accurately and then have that discussion later. Right. Because I think if you get into this whole kind of nitpicky type of thing where you're not letting certain stories be told, if it's not promoting something dangerous, then, you know, tell it, you know what I mean? I, that's that's kind of where I am. It's not glancing over obvious trauma or some wild stuff like that. Then I, I think I'm, I'm all for telling it, but um, yeah, sooner or later, we're just going to have stories that only have happy endings, only paint good people in good light, so. Yeah, and in that, in that same fashion, like we, we have a litany of films where we, not glorify, but we tell stories of drug right. dealers and, you know, people, not good protagonists, antagonists, but we hold those films dear because of the nuance. Like, we should be able to do that right. for all history, for all stories, so. Yep, I agree. Yeah, it, it was an interesting moment. One likes film, the other TV. Together, they chronicle life in a peak entertainment era. It's a streamable life. If you're hearing this, we thank you for pressing play on another edition of It's a Streamable Life podcast with Brandon and Lauren. Welcome back to season six of the pod. A new look, new format, and same goal, chronicling life in a peak entertainment era. So let's catch up with our new uh, format for What's News with what we miss in our short hiatus. Yes. All right, while we were gone, Disney had their D23 Expo and loads of content coming up, so left, much. right, and the third, everywhere. Uh, we're not gonna go through all of it because that was weeks ago, I don't remember everything, but uh, were there any favorite projects announced, things that you remember that really stuck out to you for that event? I think the big one, and it's a big one for everybody because people won't stop talking about it, is maybe the Little Mermaid type thing in that situation. And um, I'd honestly forgot that that was coming out. 
Yeah. I'm being completely honest. So um, that definitely takes a kick. And I think a lot of people will be looking at that. Um, but I'm trying to think. Like you said, it was a little while ago. So I'm trying to jog my memory. But you, you can go ahead and maybe something will come back to you. Know? Okay, sure. I definitely agree. The Little Mermaid teaser we received uh, was definitely something I had forgotten about and I'm looking forward to. Again, the haters are going to hate, but I think it's going to be a very, maybe one of the possibly good live action remakes that they're going right. to release, right. <laughs> um, hopefully. Um, of course, there was the Marvel stuff. Yeah. Um, more movies and series are coming. Um, and Lucasfilm stuff as well, which yeah, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, but I've become more acclimated to it in recent years just because of the different projects right. um, they presented to sort of bring new people into the lore, I guess you'd say. Right. Um, don't really care about the, the park stuff because I won't be going. Right. <laughs> I, I will say, and it's been in the talks for what seems like a decade or more, but I, I'm I, I'm how is this? I'm going to give the new Avatar a chance. <laughs> I still need to see the first one. I remember watching, I think, some of it on TV or some at someone's house. I think it was the ending of it. And I was just like, oh, okay, but with that many sequels, you're going to have to, you're going to see something about it. It's going to yeah. become a thing. And, like, you know, I'm not wishing the many bad luck or anything but james cameron is not young right so, like <laughs> that's a lot of work for him but um yeah it, it i think that would be interesting i think a lot of people that came in like 2009 maybe yeah it's been forever ago so when that hit it was kind of like at the peak of that technology then and so i'm curious as to uh, my my worry is that it's, it's it's been anticipated but at the same time We've had so many amazing things happen in that last decade. Mm -hmm. like, uh, is it still going to have the same type of wowing effect? So, right, right. It's, it will be interesting. Um, I don't think there was anything else there, mm -hmm. but um, we still have New York Comic Con coming up, so I'm sure there'll be more right. explained there. Because I guess fans rep said that there was new no news on Fantastic Four, which. Y'all, that film's not coming until at least 2027. Like, wow, yeah. calm down. So, uh, other headlines. We lost an Indiana a celebrity of yeah. sorts. Um, R&B artist Jesse Powell passed away at uh, 51. Yeah. Um, he was a Gary resident, or Gary native, um, whose big hit, You, was, was huge in the late 90s. Um, yeah, I believe he passed of cardiac arrest at home, which is really sad. And I saw this and I wasn't sure if it was the same movie I'm thinking of, but apparently it is. Yeah, this is this is about the horror movie. Right. And so they're remaking The Strangers. Right. And I put this on here because that film came out in 2008 and it has been turned into like a cult horror film. And it, it was Oh, it's really good. It's kind of, um, oh, how would I say it? Kind of just at the time that it came out, it was the right type of horror that I think the world needed. And it had Liv Tyler, uh, Scott Speedman, and then they put this couple that uh, live out in the Northwest, I think, Oregon, and they spend the night in this weird kind of uh, place. But then, um, anyways, this new version uh, has, uh, oh, God, what is her name? Madeline Madeline Pesh from Riverdale. Oh, okay. And, uh, she's in this, and it's kind of the same premise. And I don't think anything's changed. I really do think it's just a remake, but I am kind of interested to see how it is accepted because, yeah, this one has a, a bit cult following, but so does Madeline Pesh. So she's definitely going to put some uh, some butts in the seats. So we'll see. Right. And this is what I kind of like seeing her do just based off of Riverdale. Like right, right. her character sort of played in sort of that culty right. 
like horror lane. So yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, she's definitely got it. I think she can have it. Yeah. So. I guess I need to see the first one, but it, it was just strange to see that being remade since it's such not like a box office smash, but since you said it's right. such a cult classic, I didn't right. didn't think it'd be touched. Yeah, that's exactly what caught me off guard. I was kind of like, eh, that that didn't kill in the theaters, but you know, whatever. Right. We'll see. You will have to see. Um, and this weekend's box office was taken by The Woman King, which uh, vetted $19 million this weekend, which is 25% more than analysts first predicted, because of course. Original film, all black cast, female cast at that. There was even an article stating, how do you market the movie with black women as warriors? Yeah. You market it. Right, just like anything else. <laughs> Market it well. And that brings us to our feature presentation. Nice. So like we said, this is a new format for the podcast. We bring our feature presentation up early um, to say something better for last. But this week, uh, we're going to recap the Emmys. Uh, the 74th uh, Primetime Emmys were on just last week. Yeah, last Sunday. Yes, Monday. Or Monday, last Monday, yeah. Yeah, very odd. On the 18th, they were hosted by Kenan Thompson. Um, apparently, there was the lowest rated or lowest watched Emmys in, ever, um, even lower than the previous two years, which I guess they went up against, what, Monday Night Football? Yeah, the first Monday Night Football of the season. So Yeah, that wasn't smart. I don't know what yeah. they... And you want to talk about how do you market it something the Emmys were not pushed at all they were red. very quiet yeah yeah I don't really remember seeing many ads or anything oh I don't know so yeah so what were your initial thoughts of um the ceremony winners all that jazz well I was definitely happy for the winners and the people that won for Abbott Elementary and I think everybody was kind of hoping that they did well and they did um, there's still just a just like lingering favoritism at the Emmys, though, that I'm not sure will ever shake. Mm-hmm. But um, as for the ceremony itself, I thought the stage was kind of cool, how the setup and it seemed much more relaxed. And uh, Keenan's always good at what he does, so yeah, there there were a lot of good things and some downs, but I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, same here. I thought. Um, the production was really well. I definitely kept reading that they were going for this like club vibe and definitely gave that something yeah, a bit that. Yeah. something a bit younger, toned, a bit relaxed, something you may have seen at the Golden Globes yeah. <laughs> usually. Yeah. Um I thought Thompson was a good host. Um he wasn't there as much, which I appreciated. He was there in the beginning, mm-hmm. popped up here and there, he was funny. Um, didn't seem, didn't really seem to lose, lose focus. So I thought that was good. I uh, was happy for Ab Elementary and the other black women that the one right. uh, that night, um, which we'll get into with our likes and dislikes. But overall, I thought it was a pretty good ceremony, and it ended pr- pretty much on time. Right. Yeah. So um, just. A quick recap of the big winners. Um, of course, we mentioned Black women. We had uh, Quinta Brunson win for Best Writing for a comedy series for Ab Elementary. Uh, Shirley Ralph won her first Emmy in a 30-year career yeah. for Best Supporting Actress for a comedy. Um, then you had Lizzo earning her first Emmy for Watch Out for the Big Girls, which... Yeah. Um, won for Best Competition Series and knocked out the usual suspect of RuPaul's Drag Race, um, which is actually the leader and wins for that comp- leader and wins for that award. They've won like fourteen times or something. Wow! Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I'm trying to think who else were surprise winners. Oh, we had uh, Lee Jung Jae take Best Actor for Squid Game which was huge. He's the first Korean to win lead actor for a non-English series. 
um, given that Squid Game was the first non-English series nominated for Best Drama Series. But that show was, I mean, that took over. As soon as yeah. it hit Netflix, it was it was everywhere. Yeah, it was definitely a moment. And it's, it's funny enough, everyone who's sort of followed Korean uh, television, they say yeah. they produce stuff like that all the time. Like, yeah. we've just been sleeping. Of course, America has something to paying attention, but their shows are very good. Um, who else? I'm trying to think. Um, of course, the big winners uh, went to Ted Lasso, who won Best Comedy. And, and Jason Sudeikis beat out Bill Hader for Outstanding Lead Actor, and that's that makes no sense to me. Bill Hader is so good in Barry. I'm not sure if you watched it, but I finally got through like the first two seasons, and uh, it's literally Bill Hader at his best, because we know Bill Hader's funny, but right. he has to kind of put on this dramatic and serious tone, and yeah, um, there's no way. Yeah, I was surprised that Jason won again, but yeah. they really love Ted Lasso. That, and that's what I'm saying, that favoritism. That's, I mean, how, how can you compete with that? Like, right, right. Because um, they also took the Best Supporting Actor for Comedy Series for Brett Goldstein again, which I feel like it would have gone to one of the Lasso people anyway since they had like four people nominated. But... Right. For him to get it again was a little... Mm. So yes, Gene uh, Smart uh, won Best Actress in the Comedy again for second season of Hacks, which was good. Mm -hmm. uh, and she's brilliant. Uh, Best Supporting Actress, I don't remember who that went to for comedy. Oh, yeah. duh, Cheryl. Never mind. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, which I did not expect, but again, favoritism. Zendaya won again yeah. for... Uh, lead actress, which could have been easily Melanie Linsky, but it seemed like the nods to both Severance and Yellow Jackets was like, we see you, but not this year. Basically. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm still upset that, and I, I don't know, I know you didn't finish it, but there was never an, a week where Station Eleven got a bad review, but Station Eleven had like two nominations all together like are you kidding me like yeah that was very strange and then to nominate um the lead actor but not give the actress any love yeah, yeah. uh was very strange also the same for only murders in the building to nominate both yeah. martin and short but not selena yeah um, the show is literally based around her like right again the favoritism but I will say I'm happy for Julia Garner, though. She deserved that. Yeah, people said she's the best part of Ozark. Like, oh, yeah. She is. She is. Um, and again, uh, speaking of Netflix, there was no, uh, well, not really Netflix, but both uh, Bob Odenkirk and Rhea Seahorn didn't get any justice for Better Call Saul, but they will be nominated again next year because of the way they broke this, the season in two parts. So they have another chance of getting um those emmys i haven't watched that show but everyone says they're much deserving right. uh, my biggest dislike was a black light sketch show losing to saturday night live once again yeah for a variety sketch series when we know saturday night live is not funny no it hasn't been and with all these exits and some of their top talent we know that it won't be funny in the future so right so i'm not sure what I, I just don't understand. Like, it, it's not funny. And, and Black Lake Sketch Show was hilarious this season. Yeah, but so. favoritism. Favoritism. Um, and then over the limited series arena, I mean, when you just nominate two shows, <laughs> right, exactly. They're going to win. Michael Keaton uh, won Best Actor for Dope Sick. Um, Best Actress went to Amanda Seyfried for The Dropout. Mm -hmm. And then you had um, Jennifer Coolidge and my mind is slipping. Oh, uh, Murray Bartlett, both win supporting for The White Lotus. Yeah. And I was happy for them because they seem to be like the big breakouts for that series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She, Jennifer Coolidge is the main person in that show. Well, she's not the main character, but people, her character was just the um, attention grabber the whole season. 
Right. And they're gearing up for season two um, pretty soon. So this fall, yeah. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, it has the same kind of premise, but a different cast, obviously. Right. I believe they're in Italy. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And I think Coolidge is reprising her role. Yeah, yeah, she's I think she's in it. She's the one maybe one character that stays. So. Right. Right. So that should be interesting. I'm, I may check out the second season. I'm just gonna, not going back and watch the first just because it's anthology. Nothing's carrying over. <laughs> um, And then for drama series, you had um, <clears throat> Succession take the big award. I can't argue with that. Season three was incredible television. Yeah. Um, And congrats to Matthew McFadden because he was definitely a standout this season. It was kind of time season in all the the mess that uh, occurred. So, congrats to him. Um, so, yeah, those were the Emmys. Um, I liked the overall dislikes, very few. Um, I, I did know that a lot of people took um, issue with how um, selective they were with who got to speak longer than the 45 seconds. Yeah, that's true. So... I just I uh, will say I was happy for Amanda Seyfried because the dropout was really big and had Pam and Tommy won that award for outstanding lead actress or Lily James with it I, I would have been very upset. <laughs> they did win I think best makeup prosthetic. Yeah, I would give them that in the art category and all that. They they could have that one because she looked like Pamela Anderson and while he didn't look like Tommy Lee, they definitely did some work. Right. <laughs> All right, that brings us to a quick break, and we'll be back with the rest of the show. And we are back, and our new uh, format here brings us to our streams of the week. Um, we sort of had this prior to this episode before, but we wanted to put more focus on it simply because it is becoming, you know, sort of a chore to consume all the content out there. We won't be able to cover as much as possible and just really get to the grit of what's good, what's bad, what we're watching, what we recommend. So we'll be discussing the numerous thing we watched the past week by platform. And if we both watch something, we'll discuss it collectively. But let's get into it. Um, first platform, of course, is the beginner of the binging Netflix Seems we both have sort of not been watching anything over there. No, it's just there's I I clicked on Netflix for the first time in maybe a few weeks, maybe on Sunday of last week, and just kind of scanned through it. Yeah. Yeah, it's since Stranger Things I haven't really tapped in, and that's just because right. I've started it. It's one of their temple temple series, but other than that, I don't know. But um, we possibly have a good film coming up there in a few weeks um next month exactly the good nurse is coming to netflix in october if i could get this to cooperate yes um this is a crime drama based on a true story it stars jessica chastain and eddie redman redman am i saying it right redmayne redmayne there we go um also stars noah emmerich who's always playing someone's detective. <laughs> he was the FBI agent from the Americans. And um, Nimwadi Ajmuga, other known as Mr. Kerry Washington, is playing the other detective. I really like this sort of change for him. Yeah. From NFL footballer to, like, real-life thespian. Yeah, because he was in... Oh, my God. What's the one? He was a jazz player. It was on Amazon Prime. Uh, Sylvie's Love. Yeah, that's it. And he was good in that. He was really yeah, good. he really was. So, yes, The Good Nurse is based on the novel, well, nonfiction novel, um, <clears throat> excuse me, called, I just had the name of it, and now I lost it. Oh, The Good Nurse, a true story of medicine, madness, and murder about a doctor who was eventually convicted of being a serial killer. He was killing patients hundreds of patients um by injecting insulin into their saline bags as an ICU, ICU physician 
Um, so Redman is playing <laughs> Redman. <laughs> I cannot say that. Is playing um the doctor um Charlie Cullen and Chastain is playing Amy Lofrin, who's the nurse that sort of helped bring him to justice. Um and this is out on Netflix October. I don't have a date here. Its official release was the 11th of September at TIFF, but it comes out sometime in October. So I'll definitely be checking that out. Two incredible actors. Um, and true crime is having a moment. So moving on, HBO Max. Um, before we get into our mutual um viewership. The season of industry has been insane. Yeah. Um, I just I know not that many people are watching it, but for the folks that are, it's it's so good. It it would be euphoria, but more age appropriate, I guess you'd say. Yeah. In a way, but it's more complex because of the work they do. Um it is sort of the situation they find themselves in. Um, it, it's been riveting to watch. Yeah, it does kind of have like a a niche type of audience. I'm not sure who the exact target audience is, but, you know, it always has good reviews. Right, right. There's good performers. Definitely open the door for um, the leads on this show. Um, fresh faces we've never seen before, and they do a great job, so... But we're both here to talk about the House of the Dragon. <laughs> this latest episode was a mess. Yeah, it's a lot. Yes. So um, since we last discussed this, there's been what at least two episodes, two or three. I, I think two. I think maybe we. I think we talked about the second one. Yeah. So we missed three and four. Okay, so yes, um, this past episode, which was called the Narrow Sea something. Anywho, um, yeah, King of the Narrow Sea. This episode saw Damon return home after the you no know, war with the crab people, <laughs> um, and how. His presence has already sort of shifted the very fragile house that Viserys is trying to build. Um, what, what were your thoughts on episode four? Uh, like you said, it, it was wild. There was a lot going on. Um, and like you said, it does seem like every time Damon is on the screen or in the picture, bad things happen or this chaos comes mm -hmm. into play, but I, I do like how we're seeing uh, Rhaenyra, is that how you pronounce her name? Yeah. Kind of push back and, you know, she realizes what's up against her or what she's up against isn't right. Like, she's not in the wrong. There is complete, and like, she's dealing with sexism and all these other different things. But, um, yeah, she's kind of slowly coming into her own, which will be interesting when the characters change over to see how that Personality right. carries on when she's older, but yeah, no, they've been good episodes. Yeah, definitely excellent episodes. Um, Viserys is finally sort of doing what a king should do in right. this predicament, but it feels a little too late. Right. Um, I don't see him surviving past episode five. Like, nah, nah, he looks like he's in bad shape. Yeah, terrible. Fingers are gone. Those sores are not healing. Um, he's just in a bad, bad spot. But we will see what happens um this week. Um, as you know, we've seen Otto being relieved of his duties and how he's going to sort of continue his his mission. Um, and with even more fervor now that he's been removed as hand. So that, that should be interesting. I think we're going to see the eventual, the final nail splitting the relationship between Allison and Rhaenyra. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, we move to Hulu. Um, 
Let's first get. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I did not watch City on the Hill. I'm I'm behind on that, but I have watched Preservation Dog. So okay, okay. So we'll skip City on the Hill. It's been good though. Very good. I think I'm two episodes behind, so yes, I gotta catch up on those. Okay, but in the same token, Reservation Dogs has been excellent. Yes, it's been so good. <laughs> like this past episode focused on Big, um, John McLaren's character, and we finally get to see a bit more history on him, his relationship to the reservation, and his relationship to these kids, and sort of his not his hand, but like the guilt he feels yeah. in the death of Cookie um, that I was not expecting. I didn't know what to expect, but it was such a well-written and um, ordered episode. You had the humor, but right underneath the grief. And many times, you know, the humor sort of used to sort of shade right. you know, deeper feelings. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a great episode. And uh, the dude he was with, what was his name? Something Billy, was it? Trevor? Nah. What was the nickname they kept calling him, man? The guy with the, the, the shell necklace. I can't. Blue? Nah, oh, yeah. oh, no. It's right there on top of, on top of my tongue. I'm trying to think. Oh, Kenny, Kenny Boy. Boy. Kenny Boy, yeah. That's it. Yeah. That was. um. Yeah, his his role in it was really funny, and despite him being kind of like a crook and kind of a seedy type of character, you can tell that his kind of respect for the the native people is uh, it's genuine. But right, right, and I didn't think we'd come back to his character. We hadn't seen no. him in a while, but I love how it still feels like a, a community with these right. people popping up here and there. Yeah, he is sort of <laughs> like the white boy at the cookout type approach uh, was sort of funny. The best white character is white boy Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this episode and uh, Cheese's episode were very interesting. Yeah, that was Cheese's episode. See, I got... Now, did we... Oh, now I'm confused. Because when was the episode where they had the youth day? Oh, that was one of those weeks too. It was um I think it may be the first week. Yeah, decolon decolonization. I can yes. say that. that. Oh, that was August 31st. That would have been the first episode we missed together. That was funny. That uh everything about that was funny, just the way they treated them. But the funniest part, man, Bobby Lee's character. <laughs> they were um when the, they got the elder up there to kind of open things, do an open ceremony. He's like, and now we turn to the east where our brother, Dr. Kang, is from. And then he looks at the camera. I'm like, oh, God, that's hilarious. They were a mess. And it just yeah. it just showed how in, in every underrepresented community, there are people poaching for that culture for right. clout. Right. Like, he's talking about I'm a young elder. Those words do not belong together. And, and it, it was interesting when she sat down and to eat and then she you know she talked about where she was from and then she's like oh well you know i'm actually from the bay area you know oakland or whatever and just kind of this kind of split between the reservation indians and then those that live in the city and it's really it's interesting to see in this show so. yeah and it was interesting to see how eventually jackie has become part of the fold um because for a while there was like they're never going to like her yeah and well some of them because when that whole trust fault thing happened and uh yeah um willie jack dropped her or let her fall so that would be interesting to see how that goes yeah i'm hoping jackie isn't like holding back and then Right, she just springs on him. It's like snaps later on, because that would just not be good. But yeah, the past three weeks have just been excellent. Um, I I was just blown away at how the cheese episode 
did so elegantly speak on how disruptive those type of institutions are for children. Right. Um, especially if you're non-white, just they shape you away in an instant. Uh, very, very good. Um, I'm not caught up on the patient. I forgot to watch last week's episode. But the show has been pretty decent. Half hour sort of psychological thriller. Um, Steve Carell is very good. I just don't know where it's going to end. Like, it's it's just an interesting character study. And then uh, we got the trailer for the season three of Rami. This show has been gone, I think, since 2020. Yeah, I think so. It's been a while. Yeah. So, of course, uh, Rami returns as sort of like a fictionalized version of himself and his family. Um, and this season, they're all sort of having an identity crisis of who they are and how they fit into society as practicing, you know, immigrants, um, practicing their faith as Muslims. Um, yeah, it should be an interesting season. Yeah. It's been forever since it's been on, but it's one of the better comedies out there for sure. Okay. Over at Apple TV, um, I finally finished Five Days at Memorial. This past week was the last episode. I didn't realize it was the last episode until <laughs> near the end. They were like putting up, you know, how in like uh, uh, fictional history, like they put up where are they now, like what happened oh, yeah, afterwards. Yeah. And those credits started showing up. I said, Oh, that's the end? <laughs> um, very interesting story, though. Um, just chronicling this hospital at the center of Hurricane Katrina um, back in 2005, where 45 patients were essentially euthanized yeah. um, and how no one was indicted for anything. Not the Dr. Anna Powell, who did the quote-unquote mercy killings, not the hospital, not the hospital's corporate company. Like, no one was held responsible. Wow. So, um, I think they even place stricter laws to protect physicians in those situations. Um, but yeah, it is very uh, eye-opening series, so. Um, we go over to Prime, which Thank you that they updated their interface. Yes. Oh my God. It makes it so much better. Yes. And it's actually a better service because of it. Like, yeah, it's so smooth now. Yeah. Um, I mentioned this little show called Send Help before we get into our mutual series. It's a comedy drama by um, the actor who was on Insecure, he played Issa's brother. And why is he not top bill when you Google? <laughs> but it's about a Haitian American who's in Hollywood, um, sort of struggling after his show is canceled. Gene Ali is his name. Um, and it just deals with um, sort of his uh, un, um, what's the word I want to use? Him not dealing with sort of like his post-traumatic stress following the murder of his brother. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, it comes from both Ellie and Mike Gallo. Um, it's really good. And for all those folks that were upset that they've never seen, you know, men in a series like a Insecure or anything like that, this is sort of like the answer for that. It, it's very funny, but also very smart. Um, I think it's on... Well, I get it through All Black, but I think it's also part of AMC Plus because that's one of their off oh, okay. shoot off things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's very good. But let's get to the reason why we're here. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Um, this is the adaptation of Tolkien's greatest work. Yeah fantasy work to man and it's set like thousands of years before the events of Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit yeah. um, don't ask me who's who or what's actually happening but it's very 
I mean, they spent a billion dollars on this show, and it looks like it. Yeah, um, it's, it's really good, and you can I advise anybody watching it to stay off Twitter because the super dedicated Hobbit and Lord of the Rings fans are kind of all over it. But um, I don't know. I kind of I like it. I like it's like you said. It's visually just stunning, and then the story is slowly coming together. You're seeing. Uh, how everybody kind of works and you're seeing the common people kind of have been defended by the elves and that story and then the orcs are coming back and Sauron's coming back and Galadriel is kind of announcing herself and there's there's a lot going on but I don't know it's, it keeps you entertained yeah it's very engrossing I think a lot of people said well not a lot of people I saw people saying it was boring I personally feel it's got the pacing like on point like the first two episodes basically set the scene gave you the history and has been just gradually introducing characters and this this villain that's you know never really has never really left but is on on the return um i think everyone is is acting excellently um i don't even know many of these actors but they're they're on point. Yeah, and and then it's harsh to call it boring when in the first movie, it's just nearly three hours. There's barely a swing of a sword. Like there's no action until like the second film of the series. Exactly. This literally this literally starts with him fighting a snow troll. Yeah, like it, it, it's it's yeah. Those super fans are hard to. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? satisfied they, they just like yeah exactly um i love this most recent episode um you've got the humans of nearmore or wherever <laughs> joining ranks with um uh galadriel i'm not... yeah I, uh, I can say it but like yeah galadriel whatever yeah. yes galadriel on her mission to defend the southlands from the growing presence, which is basically here. You've seen uh the other elf played by Ismail um uh oh yeah it's, oh, it's right there. Something Cordova. Yeah. Ismail Cruz Cordova. Yes, that's it. Playing Andir. Um yeah I didn't think he was gonna make it. Like they they were playing very well with our expectations of what certain characters should be going through. Right, right. Because the danger he was pitting in from, you know, episode one was like, oh, I definitely thought this was going to be later on in the season. Right. But, um, yeah. And Theo playing around with that sword. Sir, what are you doing? Yeah. Come on, bro. <laughs> no, but I'm, honestly, it wasn't until the last episode that I, I realized that the guy, um, Isfel Cruz Cordova, was in The Undoing. Like it clicked mid episode. I was like, "Oh God, wait a second. Yeah, yeah. He's he's sort of coming up. I'm loving the the shine all these people are getting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just I love the something not familiar with it, but with the history, how everyone is sort of anti elf for yeah. certain reasons. Yeah, um, everybody, everybody seems to have a reason. <laughs> it's like sort of like the immigrant thing but in reverse like they live longer so they're taking up more space and more land they have all the resources right um they sort of brought this war upon you know mortals um so yeah it's very interesting i'm enjoying i didn't think i would enjoy this much just because given the history of the films right right um, and that brings us to Disney Plus. Um, only thing I'm watching there is She-Hulk. Um, this latest episode was its best episode. Okay. Episode five. Um, as a comedy, it's it's sort of hit and miss. I don't think people were expecting it to be so funny or like just strictly a comedy, especially in the Marvel world. They want, you know, the superheroes, blah, blah, blah. Um, this episode definitely found the tone across the board 
Um, but I'm enjoying it. And I think the next episode, we're supposed to get the great uh, comeback of Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Daredevil, which I wish they had kept under wraps until now. Yeah. Like Marvel's way of like promoting is to sort of like tell you everything and it's sort of ruining the appeal um of certain things. But yeah, that's happening. And then I watched Thor Love and Thunder. It was a movie. Um I could I can understand why people didn't like it. It's the story was there, but it felt very sort of frivolous, like quickly put together. I thought Christian Bale was great as Gore, the God Butcher. Um, it had very good commentary about the way um, humankind sort of like adores gods and gods could care less um, about their plight and sort of that, that positioning. But um, other than that, it was just laugh laughs action but it was just not done very well and natalie portman girl you came back to have cancer like that's that's her like she comes back she becomes mighty thor but she has cancer what it's like if you thought you weren't written well beforehand i don't think they did any better by her years later so that was a thing. Um, and then in TV other, we both look like we both watched Atlanta. Yes. Very good. Those episodes were the first one was wait, was that the one with the kind of like everybody's in this David Lynchian type world is very strange. Yeah. Yeah, the first one was like them returning back to Atlanta from overseas and just sort of like recapping with what was happening here. You had the Black Lives Matters riots and I guess you had to be from Atlanta to understand that whole <laughs> parking garage thing. Yeah, that's exactly what I kind of thought to myself. I was like, yeah, this must be an inside thing for Atlanta people. But I completely forgot about that video. And I'm spraying that woman in that motor. <laughs> and when that popped up, I was like, oh, shit. And, and it's another thing is that I think, and I don't know, I don't want to speculate, but um, uh, when they were, the whole thing with the rapper, I that had to have been about MF Doom because MF Doom was an underground rapper. He never made it mainstream, but he was really, really good and kind of, uh, a fan favorite even though he was underground but he died on October 2020 and nobody knew about it until the beginning of 2021 oh that makes sense now because yeah. I wasn't sure what that was about right and he was a very kind of cryptic rapper and the, the cadence that went with the guy was rapping when he heard his music is exactly like MF Doom just kind of it's almost like he was talking to you and I was like oh that's gotta be about MF Doom it has to be Oh, wow. So that was like a great homage to him in, in yeah. some respect. Because Brian's, while his, the story for um, Brian's character, Paperboy, did start out a little kooky, it wasn't as as funny as the others. Right, right. That makes perfect sense now, yeah. So when I heard that, I was like, oh man, it has to be. That yeah. <laughs> and then the second episode... I cannot believe he did that. Yeah, man, that that episode caught me off guard. I was like, "What?" Yeah, he needs to go right back to therapy because that was insane. Yeah, it was too much. Like, and Darius and Paperboy were right to be like, "Yeah, that's that's not cool." Man. Like, <laughs> not at all. Because first I thought, "Oh, maybe this is the Sasha girl from college." Like. Yeah. They're showing like where they are now or whatever after that thing, but no, he she was just some random chick at the airport. So we know like she quit that job because she thought she had <laughs> booked a literacy agent. And I guess the first time around, it didn't really hit me that this could be 
a hoax because Tracy was working for the agent, but I just thought right. it's Atlanta. He just got this job because we hadn't seen him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At all. So I never connected that. Um, but yeah, that was very spiteful. Yeah, that was a lot. But I'm also glad that they a lot of people were turned off by season three. I enjoyed season three. Yeah, that um, was good. But people wanted this, of course. And I'm happy that they returned to Atlanta and sort of like what the show was about in this season, which makes sense because they were they were in the United States for those other two seasons. Um but I'm glad we're getting back to exactly what happened with Ern. Um we never knew why he dropped out of Princeton. Right, right. And we see that it's it's carried a lot of baggage for him in many different ways. Um, he's thinking that he could sort of success his way out of whatever it is. Um, and that's not the case. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I saw that you got into this American Gigolo. Brittany's watching it too, and she said it's pretty good. What were your thoughts? Uh, we are different people because I was bored out of my mind. Oh, <laughs> I it, it's all right, and maybe just because I saw like the first episode and they've got to build it, and um, it, it it's the crime angle that I think is throwing it off for me. The whole him getting free and trying to figure this thing out, and um, I don't know. Maybe it's just a matter of going back and watching it and sticking with it, but. Um, it's really just John Berthnell is 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 carrying the show and and holding it together, which I, I feel like is expected. That's what everybody expected. So, right now, yeah, Brittany was like, you know, I like a good detective show, so she's uh, probably really into it. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to start it yet. Yeah, yeah and it, it's all right. I'm. It's not horrible, but yeah, it, I don't know. I guess I expected something a little bit more uh, edgier, I guess, almost mm -hmm. something risque. I was like, American Gigolo 2022, like, this is going to be nuts. And Oh, it's, an, and it's not giving that. It is a little bit more tame than what I expected. Gotcha. Because, yeah, him entering the sex industry, you would expect right. yeah. what's happening now, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah but... Um, and then I got into some movies, which I'll, I'll hit real quick. Uh, the film Pleasure, which came out in Sundance when we saw it virtually, which was what, 2020? 2020? Uh, 2021. 21, yeah. 21. Um, went through the whole theater circuit and everything. It finally hit kind of streaming, and it's on Showtime. And it's a story mm -hmm. about a young woman who enters the porn industry out in LA. And it's just really, really kind of honest and raw and yeah it's good and i've been waiting to see it so i finally got the chance and it was good and then um uh, petite maman was also not in that year i think it was 2021 hit the circuit and this is by um oh god every time i say a french name i feel like an idiot uh celine Sciamma, who did portrait of a lady on fire mm. yeah and this is just little petite mama is about little mama and it's about a, a a young girl and just kind of follows her and through uh just love and grief and innocent and all these different things uh, i think she's like 10 she's very young so um but it was good it's good it's kind of a fantasy film too it's really interesting so, so. okay but um yeah that's what i checked out when i had time all right and i went and saw the woman king this weekend um Starring Viola Davis, um, Lashana Lynch. Let me make sure I get this woman's right. This woman's name right. Uh, it's Thedu Mebusa. Duso Medu from um, Underground Railroad, um, as well as Sheila Atim and John Boyega. Um, this was sort of like a story based on the West African Kingdom of Dahomey uh, during the 17th and 19th centuries, um, and they're all female warrior units, um, which the um, uh, 
Dora Milaje from Wakanda is based on. They sort of base them on this real life army. Uh, it was directed by Gina Prince Bythewood. And basically <clears throat> um, the film was about uh, these female warriors um, protecting the kingdom uh, from, you know, adversaries, uh, which we all got from the trailer, but there's sort of like a deeper, um, sort of softer narrative, like womanhood and uh, sort of overcoming the worst parts of yourself or what you think the worst parts of yourselves are. Um, Badola was excellent. LaShawn Lynch was crazy good um, in this as well. So uh, there was a lot, like I mentioned earlier, uh, pushback given the Dahomey's role in the Atlantic trans transatlantic slave trade. Um, but they address it in the film. And I think they do a, a good job at that, trying to wrestle with, you know, that role of their kingdom and whether they need to continue it or not. I don't know if that's historically accurate, but they had to do something to make the movie palatable. Because it is a fictitious rendering of it. Um, but it's very much like a Black woman gladiator, a Black woman war movie, which we've never really seen before. So I definitely advise everyone to go see it when you get the chance. And then we got the trailer for another Black woman who they can't seem to leave alone. Yeah, man. Uh, the trailer for I Want to Dance with Somebody. Um, this is the Whitney Houston biopic from the Houston estate. Um, comes out, I think, December. Uh, what are your thoughts about this movie? Uh, wasn't expecting it. The trailer was the first I had heard of it, so it really caught me off guard. Um, I don't think it's really needed. I, I'm not sure right. who, uh, who this movie is for, and I know we've had this conversation before, and you know, we've got this coming out in November. We have the story about Marilyn Monroe. Like, it's okay to let these people just rest. Like, let their stories just be what they are. Like, we don't need constant uh retellings but uh yeah and i feel like we know everything already or as much as we're yeah. going to know since she's no longer with us so um i guess a plus is being directed by cassie lemons a black woman yeah um somehow the people behind bohemian rhapsody are involved and the trailer definitely gave that it was like a music video quality thing um i don't think she would be singing i want to dance with somebody at that little shack of a <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. concert or whatever but i guess they were I, I think it was just part of the trailer i don't think she's actually singing that song um but the film stars naomi aki as winnie houston stanley tucci is clive davis tamara tooney is her mother sissy houston and Nefesta Williams, who's a good actress, is playing Robin Crawford. We all know who Robin is. And then Ashton Sanders is playing Bobby Brown. Yeah. Um, I guess it's going to go through all up until her death because so. the clips show, you know, 80s Whitney, uh, uh, Star Spangled Banner Whitney, uh, It's Not Right, But It's Okay Whitney, um, yeah, I'd rather it be one. Well, I hate the title of of it. Yeah, it seems so lazy. Even though we know it's a hit song, but yeah, um, I just wish the movie chose to focus on something more intimate than the entire lifespan. But um, we'll see on December twenty first what. This does is right there for uh award contention. Um, I doubt if it gets any. I don't know. These people are good actors, but no one asked for this.
Uh, so for our pick six, what were your best of the past streams of the week? What what were your favorites to watch? Um, for me, it was definitely. I, if I had to pick the top three, I would say Atlanta. Both episodes go first. Um, I put the movie Pleasure because I was really just waiting to see that, and then I would put. Uh, House of the Dragon, because I feel like those episodes really um, turned up the intensity. So. Okay. And for me, um, excuse me, um, after the Reservation Dogs, really, at least the past two episodes, um, it's just so good. And the fact that the Emmys didn't acknowledge it is pissing me off. Um, Reservation Dogs, definitely. Uh, second, I would say House of the Dragon because that episode just sent everything to the left. Um, and then I'm going to say Send Help because it's such a small show, but it's, it's really good work um of a very specific experience that needs to be told and i hope a lot more people get into it so that brings us to our streaming for the weekend um next week oh i forgot that in a, as a trailer but i can mention it now um over at netflix we got the trailer for dahmer monster the jeffrey dahmer story <laughs> from Ryan Murphy. This is sort of like the long gestating series he's been working on over at Netflix. Um, reunites with Evan Peters as Dahmer. Um, a lot of people, again, are questioning why we're telling this story again. Um, yeah. But the one silver lining is it's said to focus more on the victims and those who fought to bring Dahmer to justice. So for instance, Nisi Nash's character, Grace Cleveland, was his next door neighbor, and she multiple times alerted police to his peculiar behavior um, in efforts to sort of bring him bring him to to halt. But um, yeah, so that's that's interesting to me, part of it. Um, that's comes out uh Wednesday. Um, along with Disney Plus's Andor, um, this is a series that's been highly anticipated um, based on the film Rogue One, which personally is my favorite Star Wars movie and the only one I've seen. Not the only one, but <laughs> yeah, very good. Uh, stars Diego, Diego Luna, again, is casting Andor and it sort of tracks the very beginnings of the rebellion movement against the Empire. So, um, it's the only Star Wars show. Wait, no, that's not true. It's excuse me, the longest first season of a Star Wars show is supposed to be twelve episodes. So we're getting three of those on Wednesday. Um, we've got the industry season finale on Monday, the nineteenth, and then it, it's sort of like TV's fall season, I guess you say. TV's yeah. coming back. Um. Over at Fox, The Cleaning Lady Season 2. I really enjoyed the first season. Um, it's a really good show. Uh, Wednesday, Season 2 of Abbott Elementary, which I'm sure everyone will be uh, glad to see return. And then this weekend, Don't Wor Worry Darling comes out, the sort of um, second directorial film from Olivia Wilde that's gotten a bunch of drama in the press run um anything else not here that you plan on watching this week um I'm trying to think there's not too much coming up for me this week like you said uh, mainly uh, Abbott Elementary and tonight this is very me but it's on PBS once again and it is uh oh what is his name Ken Burns is doing a documentary about um what was happening in America during the Holocaust. And I, oh. Yeah, it's called The U.S. and the Holocaust, and it's a three-part series, so tonight, Monday, Tuesday, I believe. And, um, yeah, it'll be really interesting. He gets, uh, he finds the most interesting topics, and that's a that's a really interesting uh, 
viewpoint of such a historic event. So I'm recording that and check that out. But um, other than that, in Abbott Elementary, no, it's not too much that I'm looking forward to. Okay. And I forgot to mention this back on Change of the Week. I watched the first episode of Fox's Monarch. This was oh, okay. their long-delayed country version of the Empire with yeah. Susan Sarandon. You know, it's giving what it's supposed to give, like soap opera, high drama. But it's actually really good, and the music is actually decent. Like, you'll be singing along with them. Um, I'm really watching for Beth Ditto. She's playing... Uh, a sister on the show and we all know she can actually sing right yeah she's so it's gonna be a great look for her i feel like she's going to be the breakout star um of that show and that brings us to the end of this episode of it's a streamable life podcast with brendan and lauren we hope that you enjoyed it and join us next week as we continue chronicling life in the peak entertainment era until next time stream for your life peace